Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Deeply Technical series. Hello, and welcome to Codish. I'm front-end engineer Jamie White, and today we're talking with Rene Winkelmeyer from Salesforce about Lightning Web Components. Thanks for joining us, Rene. Hi. I'm really glad to join you here at your Coach podcast, and I'm really happy to talk about Lightning Web Component with you. Wonderful. Well, maybe you could give us a little bit of your background. What exactly do you do at Salesforce? So, sure. Um, my name is Rene, and I work as a developer evangelist with Salesforce, and I do... I would say a lot of things that span the Lightning platform, which is you know doing web development, backend development, all Salesforce related. But at the same time, I have a kind of diverse background in IT. So you know anyone who's old enough and who knows Rex X and OS two, I think that's how I started and touched you know, a bunch of things from Java to JavaScript to Python to Perl to Go and you name it basically. But as of now, I work with Salesforce and focus a lot on our new Lightning Web Component framework. Great. And I think, I believe you're based in Germany. Is that right? Exactly. Remote in Germany. I call it the middle of nowhere, because if you look on the map, it's just green around, which is kind of cool to live. Oh, that sounds wonderful. How long have you been a remote worker? 10 years, I would say now. Yeah, 10 years plus, you know, business ready to travel, which is like, you know, I wouldn't say a lot. But I see, you know, some places of the world, but the rest of the time I'm spending countryside, which is kind of cool. Yeah, remote work is a big theme for for Kodish and Heroku in general. Uh, do you have any tips for remote workers? I, w- I would say it's the same as if you would work in an office. You know, you need a space, you know, quite space to work in. You need to focus, but at the same time, you should finish your work at a specific time because that's, uh, you know, if you have your MacBook or Windows machine or whatever with you, you tend to work more. And I can just recommend, you know, just behave as you would be in a regular office. And the other thing is like, try to reach out to colleagues because you don't want to sit, you know, in your office all day long alone. Absolutely. Great advice. So the topic for today is Lightning Web Components. And you mentioned the Lightning Platform. Perhaps you could just briefly summarize what the Lightning Platform is before we dive into the main topic. Sure. So the Lightning Platform is what we as Salesforce specify as you know, our platform. That So that spans technology from our UI frameworks that you can develop on for our core technologies like Sales Cloud and Service Cloud or the uh, platform itself, as well as our backend language, or uh, which is Apex, as well as all the low-code tools that we have, which is Process Builder, Flow, and Technically, we wouldn't need like a podcast just to walk through all the things that include the Lightning Platform. In short, it's something where you can build with little to no to a lot of code for Salesforce. Well, so to set the scene for Lightning Web Components then, maybe we could start by talking about Web Components themselves. Could you define Web Components for the listeners? So Web Components have been around for for some time. And they are a set of specifications that provide a low-level set of APIs that what you extend the browser's built-in set of HTML tags, right? So they provide common methods for creating a component using standard DOM APIs, as well as 
a common way of receiving and sending data using properties and events. But outside of that, well, the standards don't say a lot about how a component is actually implemented. When you, you know, when you look at the web itself or at the DOM structure itself, you see things like an input or a video tag, right? So this is a standalone functionality as part of the DOM. And this kind of what you can, in simple words, imagine is a web component. Now, they're built for interoperability, right? This is the, the main purpose. Because of their standard interface, you can use them you know, anywhere, just like a built element, as I mentioned before, like the input or video tag. When you look at the specifications that make up web components, and they're made of a few specifications, which are custom elements, shadow DOM, HTML templates. They really provide a kind of different functionality, right? And we can, you know, I think we could, uh, could talk about that a bit more in, in depth after we should revisit how web components in general fit into the overall landscape of frameworks. Yeah, that sounds like a good segue. So how do they fit into this landscape? particularly thinking about other front-end technologies like React, Vue, Ember, and all of the tool change required for those tools. Where do, where do web components sit within all of that? I think we, we should you know, go a bit back in time. And let's, go, let's just go to 2014, right? Uh, to understand why, we, you know, why web components are there and how the web stack actually looked like in 2014, right? So back then, the web standards that were there only offered really a limited foundation for the full stack that developers need to build large-scale web applications, a rendering engines, standard elements, events, and also a core language, ECMAScript 5. And in addition to being rudimentary, that foundation had also other shortcomings, right? Traceable to its roots as a page rendering platform and not an application execution platform. There was no React. There was no Angular at the time being. And with that, you know, when you, when you look at the technology itself, the browser themselves, like rendering, wasn't optimized for a continuous UI transformation. The core language had no modern constructs to write larger module enterprise class apps on the client side, like modules, classes, decorators, and so forth. And then frameworks emerged over time, like React Ember View, right? They were developed to optimize rendering. There are also different frameworks introduced different component model and HTML template approaches and techniques. And other libraries came up that provided different language extensions, just naming modules with AMD and common JS. So this is how the web looked like in 2014. When we look now at how many of those frameworks evolved over time, and this is really the thing like, you talk to a developer and are they today a JavaScript developer or are they more a React developer or an Angular developer or Vue or Next? You know, you name the framework of their choice, right? So this is really the question where, where does it all fit in? And as I mentioned before, web components are built for interoperability. They're built for being used in any framework. Even if you develop a you know, page with PHP, you can use web components in them because they just run everywhere as they are baked by the core technology, the browsers. 
So maybe give us some examples of the kind of things you would use a web component to build. So there are a couple of examples where you can use them. Well, the biggest benefit, in my opinion, is building reusable design and UI elements, right? So when a company grows or when you know, when your internal application landscape grows, you start building your design. You want to have an accordion UI element or you want to have a button element or you want to have a data table element that looks and behaves the same no matter in which web application you're using that. And web components are actually the perfect fit for that because A, you can implement the design within the web component and it won't change no matter in what order or whatever correlating CSS or other things are used in the, in the HTML or the application where it's used in, right? So it's really, it really allows you to build once and run everywhere, which I think is, is pretty cool. For all of us who have been there and you know built a, built a component at some point and got dropped onto a page and everyone was wondering why it just looks different than it should be and you find out there that there was a CSS collision or a functional collision, I think this is really where web components help to grow your landscape. And I saw recently, I saw recently a video and someone from Google said that they internally in Google run more, I think it was around 16,000 web components, right? So really reusable units, which I think is pretty impressive. That is impressive. So you're saying that the web component spec allows you to kind of isolate a web component from the surrounding CSS and other context on the page on which it's used? Yes. So as I mentioned before, web components are made out of uh, several specifications. One specification is custom elements. So you define basically your own HTML DOM tag. This represents your custom element, your component. So when you look into the DOM, you really see your component. Another part of the spec is a so-called shadow DOM, which encapsulates the web component. So it even means that CSS from an outer parent HTML tag can't bleed into your component. So it's really truly encapsulated. And the same is actually for any JavaScript functionality that you would bind into the web component. Well, now we know the, the foundational technologies of web components, maybe we should take a little aside to talk about the kind of current feelings about web components, perhaps controversy about web components on the web. So um, uh, Rich Harris, the creator of Svelte.js, uh, amongst other tools, recently posted a fairly controversial blog post entitled Why I Don't Use Web Components. And I think other people have come to defend the use cases for web components. What's your take on all of that? Do you think these these authors have um, make, are making reasonable points? You know, this is like a throwback Thursday for me when I read those things. Uh, in, I think it was like 1995 when I was discussing with friends, which is the best server operating system, OS2, Windows NT4, or are we going with Linux, right? And every, you know, not every hammer is the right tool for a nail. So I think that, you know, there are perfect reasons to use React. There are perfect reasons to use Angular. There are perfect reasons to use web components. And it just really depends on your use case. What I see all 
you know, when I see those comments, like, yeah, you actually have a great point. But for my specific use case, it's not the right point. Yeah, and I think it probably um, is in the interest of all of us working on the web to embrace the the full toolkit available to us and especially embrace the platform. So I think that's a, it's a good stance to take, definitely for all of us. So with all of that context set, tell us about Lightning Web Components. Okay, so Lightning Web Components, and I got asked like, what is Lightning Web Components? How are they different from Web Components? And you know, what are they actually made of? I always describe Lightning Web Components as a thin layer on top of the Web Component primitive APIs with some declarative sugar. When you would write a native Web Component, you would write a lot of JavaScript. I wouldn't call it boilerplate, but you still have to write some amount of JavaScript. With Lightning Web Components, we took a different approach, right? We wanted to build a foundation, which is enterprise great, which allows you to write standard HTML, standard CSS, and modern JavaScript to build your web components, to build your UI. And not a mix like you see it in other technologies like JSX, where you know lots of things in one file. Now we want to have a separation of concerns that makes it also really easy from a developer productivity point of view. Okay, so um, Lightning Web Components then is kind of a, a toolkit that sits on top of the Web Components spec to facilitate more declarative components. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, so I frame it that way. We provide a small compiler and runtime engine that actually creates you know, our own internal engine to drive web components. You don't have to bother with how you would build a web component from scratch using the standard browser APIs. It's really like, here's a simple model based on ES6. You write your class, you have an HTML file as your template engine, separation of concerns, really clean. You can add optional CSS to write that, and you don't have to learn a framework, which I, which I think personally is really important because we see that with all the other frameworks and libraries and however they're, they name themselves as of today, that I just can't, if I don't know React, I just can't jump on a React project and be productive in three days a lot, right? That's just like, just a lot to learn. The same applies to, to other frameworks. And we really try to minimize it with Lightning Web Components. We really say you need HTML knowledge and you need JavaScript knowledge, and then you can build Web Components. So maybe talk us through, let's say I wanted to create some kind of um, a web component, let's say for picking the ingredients for a meal I want to make. How would I go about generating and then authoring that Lightning Web Component? Okay, first of all, you would need some built tooling, right? That's, uh, I think, the, the first, pretty first step, which you can get on lwc.dev, which is the open source site for, for Lightning Web Components. And then you will get a, a skeleton project where you would have to define which component you want to build, right? The, it, there's a scaffolding CLI provided, uh, which is actually built by, by myself using the Heroku Oakleaf framework, a shameless plug here. <laughs> you, know, you get a basic project structure where you would start with an HTML file, which uses the template tag, which is also HTML standard per specification. And you would just add your plain HTML in there. And then you would have an ES6 class, 
where you can define how your web component would behave. And it can also be, to be fair, an empty JavaScript class, because when you don't have any functionality, any logic that you want to execute against your HTML markup, then that's also fine. But these are the only ingredients that you really need. You would need a build setup where I highly recommend the um, LWC create app tool, which is also linked on the official website for Lightning Web Components open source. And then you can directly get started. Great. And then so I assume these tools also allow me to compile my source into a web component that then I can use on any page that I like. Yes. So there are, you, know, you, you can build that either with Rollup or with Webpack. For example, the scaffolding CLI uses Webpack to actually build that. But that you know, just depends on where you want to use it at the end of the day. right? But it, it creates the needed output for being reusable on any platform, be it GCP, Heroku, AWS, your own homegrown PHP server, wherever you want to add the Lightning Web component. Gotcha. And then, so, and I assume then for CSS, it's a similar story. You're, you're authoring your CSS within the component. As we spoke about earlier, it's encapsulated so that when it's compiled out, it comes along for the ride with the web component. Exactly. So when you look at, a, at, the, at the file structure for a Lightning Web component, you would have a folder let's call it hello world. And within that folder, you would have maximum three files, a hello world JS, a hello world HTML, and a hello world CSS file. So again, with a true separation of concerns, where you can then add your CSS, your JavaScript into your HTML, and that then gets compiled in what the Lightning Web Components engine would generate on as a custom element on the web page. How about writing tests around these components? What's the best practice? Would you write a test kind of from the outside, treating the component as a black box and testing its API or, or test the internal JavaScript class that you've written? Give us a bit of detail on that. The preferred tooling for testing Lightning Web Components is Jest. I think you know, it's hardly to argue that it's not one of the, you know, the popular testing framework, unit testing framework at the moment. And we provide also tooling just to test your Lightning Web components. And if you look at actual unit tests, you would test the functionality of the output or the expected output of your markup, right? This is what you have to test in the unit test. And we can argue about that in another podcast, what you should test, but this is what you should test in a unit test. So yes, you would actually just test the generated output. So if you have, for example, a button, that sends an event or changes a display in your component, this is what you would test with Jest. And if I wanted to uh, compose a Lightning Web component out of other Lightning Web components that either I or somebody else had authored, what does that story look like? Do I bring them in as web components? Or if they come in as the Lightning Web component source, is there more integration that can be provided? Yes, so there, there are a couple of things. Uh, which is not yet fully provided. The uh, the engineering teams are currently working on having, I wouldn't say an integration around that because there is integration already, but a more documented integration where you just would do an NPM install into your existing project and then could reuse the other web components. At the end, because there are only, you know, there are really encapsulated elements, the only touch point that you would have if you want to reuse other web components, you would just use their custom element markup in your HTML file. 
So um, summing up all that we've just spoken about, it sounds like Lightning Web Components really are a general purpose tool for anyone looking to get started using Web Components in their apps. Uh, I wonder now if we could switch gears to talk about um, Salesforce in particular and why Salesforce decided to create Lightning Web Components. Could you, you tell us a bit of the history there? You know, I mentioned before that like in 2014, there was not a lot available in the browser stack. So, and that also applied to us, right? We developed our own framework, the Aura framework to allow developers to develop actually component based on our platform. Now, since then, the technology stack has really changed, right? And we saw like an uptick in especially the JavaScript world with a lot of new specifications going from ECMAScript, you know, six to nine. We got classes, modules, promises, decorators, and all the other things. We have to say that some of my colleagues actually work in the technical committees to drive the JavaScript specification. And they also joined recently, I think it was in January, the W3C consortium to also drive the general specifications of the web to make that more enterprise ready. Now, the history is also then that we wanted to evolve because the web stack looks really different today than did five years ago with a weight really heavily tilting towards standards. And the core stack, you know, got finally got its update and it's needed to become an application development platform in its own right, especially for, for enterprises. And because many of those features that a couple of years ago required frameworks now come standard with the browsers. No one no longer needs uh, their own proprietary component model, their own language extensions, proprietary modules, and so forth. And this is the vision that, that we also so had. We wanted to have, for us, a performant, reusable, self-contained component model based on the latest web standards with techniques and tools that are in a dead and simple and fast, more elegant way available. And they should also drive adoption productivity by enabling developers to take advantage of a greater selection of tools that they already know and love. And at the very last, we wanted to deliver a technology that is really compatible with the standards of today and those well into the future. What some people may not know is we at Salesforce, we have a commitment to our customers that we are backwards compatible. And at the same time, we don't want that you know, we want to agree and we want to live in, in standards. There is, in 2019, especially in general, no longer the need to be really propriety, right? The, the open source world, the web world has so much evolved that we are betting on the current standards which are built in the browsers. And one of their promises is we don't break the web, right? And this is also another reason why we have chosen web components as a model, because this is going forward, just built into the browsers. We don't have to maintain that. And every enhancement that gets added will automatically be available for everyone who's using that technology, which is also pretty cool in my opinion. Let me see if I've got this right. Salesforce uh, wanted to build best of breed tools, enterprise grade best of breed tools for developing apps on top of the Lightning platform. and the engineering teams decided to bet on open standards, on web components, and the result of that was the Lightning Web Component Framework, which is now, in fact, open source. 
and turns out is a great tool for anyone to use, whether you're developing on top of the Lightning platform or not. Have I, have I got that about right? That sounds about right. I mean, the, the important takeaway is that because it's web standard, because it's baked into the browser, we don't maintain our own proprietary model, right? I think this is really my personal takeaway with all of this. Before that, I had to learn my own framework, framework A, B, C, D, right? You name it, no matter if it's for developing on Salesforce or on another platform. Now that it's a technology that's built into the browsers as web standards, as core APIs, everyone really gets the enhancements of the technology, which also is part of the interoperability story of web components because it's in the browsers, it's just there. Great. And so I suppose there's a, a kind of inbuilt benefit as well for Salesforce open sourcing Lightning Web Components because we can see adoption elsewhere outside of Lightning Platform itself and see indeed contribution from elsewhere. Is there a community already starting to grow up around LWC? Well, we got open source like four weeks ago. So I'll leave that to others to judge. Um, I think we have a great uptake and we see a great traction just for example, the the um, scaffolding CLI that I mentioned before, we had like over the last week a thousand npm downloads, which is I think not bad after four weeks going open source. Um, I, we should go, come back in maybe six months to see that. That's great. I notice as well that the uh, the VS Code extension suite is very sophisticated for such a young project. Yes, we we have to differentiate though there that we currently provide the Salesforce extensions for Visual Studio Code, which is exclusively focused when you develop on Salesforce. But there are some efforts underway to also provide a similar tooling experience for Lightning Web Components open source. Okay, so Rene, maybe you can describe for me some of the um, example web components authored with LWC that are out there right now. Sure. When you go on the Lightning Web Components open source site, lwc.dev, you have the installation section, which points out the two main things you want to get started. And you actually don't have to install anything. First of all, it is the playground, which is like, like a code set box, right? You can directly play with a Lightning Web Component, create your JavaScript file, HTML file, and see the actual rendering output there. It's just, you know, real time, no installation, just playing around experience. If you want to see how they're actually built and how you can play with them, there's also the so-called recipe section. So when you go on to recipes.lwc.dev, this is a live application just built with Lightning Web Components, shameless plug also built by me, where we showcase how you can build with the different aspects that make Lightning Web Components, be it the event system, be it composition, be it data wiring, or using third-party JavaScript libraries like D3. So, you know, real-world examples and also real working examples actually running on Heroku, where you can directly, you know, look into the DOM, see how does it behave, and also get linked to a GitHub repo where you can see all the source of those recipes. So um, is there much of a community, say say I'm getting started with LWC and I want to reach out to some other people to ask questions, Who sh where should I go? Who should I speak to besides yourself, of course? So there are a couple of ways. Usually the, so the community goes to 
two areas. Either you, they go to our developer forums on developer.salesforce.com. And there's also a dedicated Salesforce Stack Exchange, which is on salesforce.stackexchange.com. This is mostly focused towards building on Lightning Platform, though, right? Um, I would I would just say follow those two patterns. And at the same time, you can reach out to me or just with the hashtag AskSalesforce on Twitter and see if someone goes on that. Because the general Salesforce developer community is pretty big. They you know, help as much as they can on any social media. And worst case is if someone doesn't know, but they may know someone else who thinks, who knows about that specific technology, they will just you know forward you. And Lightning Web Components, as we run them also on our platform, has also such a broad ecosystem that there's not a lot of difference in between building on platform or off platform with that. Gotcha. And I suppose because they are you know, bringing you to the web component spec and not trying to hide anything from you about that. You can also, you know, go and go and seek out people who know about web components and get answers there too. Exactly. And, you know, you can just go to github.com slash Salesforce slash LWC. There's all the source code of this ProRes core technology internally as well as externally. And, you know, just dig around, open issues if you find something or questions. I mean, that's the pure reason why everything is open source. Are there any other players in this space of providing tooling around web components? And uh, how does the LWC team view its competitors? Well, there are a couple of, you know, you can use, for example, Polymer with LitElement, right? So you can use other frameworks. I think LitElement is maybe one of the most popular one. You can also build with a React of you and have it generated output as web components, which I think is pretty interesting when you have a framework that is you know doing their thing, at the same time is providing an output as web component because you may need that or your customer demand is actually to use that. I wouldn't call it a competitor because all the frameworks and libraries have their purpose and their reason. What we are really targeting at is to provide an enterprise-grade framework. And this is like, you know, our home base as Salesforce, right? We are in companies from, you know, from pretty small to pretty big. And we really want to push the web forward and now with Lightning Web Components to fulfill the needs that companies have with web applications, which is sometimes different from when you run your blog or another non-consumer-facing application. Yeah, and I'll I'll actually emphasize that point by saying that when we talk about enterprise grade in this context, we're talking about, you know, these these UI components being used on apps with massive and very broad user bases, people with all sorts of different needs, all sorts of different legal requirements. And that actually leads us into a a topic that's very close to my heart, which is accessibility on the web. And um, I don't know, maybe could we talk about that for a moment in the context of LWC? Um, it might not be that LWC does anything explicitly to do with accessibility, but I know that the teams within Salesforce work really, really hard to make sure every UI component is as accessible as it can possibly be. And I believe LWC plays a role in that too. Yeah, we have in, in Salesforce internally our own design system, like many companies have, which is called the Salesforce Lightning Design System, SLDS. 
And you know, the, the focus is really strong on accessibility, right? Because every user of a web application should have the same opportunities and the same chances to actually work with the application. At the same time, we have also to differentiate between the technology like web components and between the design system that we use, right? They are separate at this point of time, which makes sense because at the end, a web component implements just all the different attributes that are relevant for having a component accessible. And I think um, it's fair to say that LWC is very much engineered with that in mind and by basing itself upon web standards, doubly so, because web standards are all built with a strong thrust towards accessibility. Exactly. I mean, we you know on the documentation side, you will see a section around accessibility and what you have to do actually to make your components accessible, right? To have the, you know, the right array attributes, for example, that screen readers can identify the component. So web components and accessibility are not exclusive, but they're also not strongly tied together, right? It's just a pattern that you have to follow so that your components are accessible. Well, I think we've had a pretty good summary here of uh, Lightning Web Components, where they came from, the technologies that they build upon, and how you can get started using them in your own apps today. Rene, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about you or follow you on the web? Well, I would say the easiest thing is to Google Rene Winklemeyer because no one can actually pronounce my Twitter handle. Maybe on purpose, I don't know. Um, so yeah, if you can do that, if you understand German, find me at Münzpreger on Twitter, which is also my GitHub name and on every other system around. And if you ever meet me in person, try to find out if you are, tell you the backstory about my nickname. <laughs> and we will, of course, include links to Lightning Web Components and Rene on the internet in the show notes. And that's it for today. Thank you so much. Join us again on the next episode. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.